Defining Connection Economy Radio. This is Tribe FM. Good morning, Mr. Barnes, the first of our series, The Power of Free for Tribe FM. How are you today? Mr. Black, Mr. Black, Mr. Black. Well, 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 well. Isn't it a funny old world, eh? It is Goodness indeed. Goodness gracious me. It's been a while since we uh, since we talked. In fact, the last time we were together, we finished off all oh, the marathon of the Monopoly, the planner material that uh, I think we got to about 40, 30, 40 shows. Did you cover? Close did you take to cover all of that stuff? Yeah. Close to. Yeah, quite an epic quite an epic journey and uh you know that whole exercise was tremendous really because you know this whole thing about intelligent content marketing is is to you know make your knowledge and your know-how and you know available in different formats in different ways and mm. uh, uh with monopoly planner the original sort of idea set uh, kind of ultimately flowed out of the power of free that we're going to be discussing now but the um the monopoly planner Content that you and I talked about all those weeks uh, are the kinds of like the, the it was the full, full fulmination. That's the word I'm looking for. It's the fulmination of of kind of all the applied thinking about intelligent content marketing while the industrial economy was at its peak. Mm-hmm. And goodness gracious me, what's happened since we finished that series? I have to say, sir, that we now live in a very, very different world. Even though we're both sitting in the same locations in two different parts of the world chatting about the same subject, the entire world on which that whole thing was predicated has changed. Indeed. Well, you know, COVID-19 has heralded the arrival of the connection economy. Who would have thought it? Mm. Who would have thought it? You always said it was inevitable, and I think we've had a, a discussion that this was really just a catalyst to bring it all to its uh, to its knees and provide opportunities and pathways for people to forge a new way of communicating and doing business with each other. Well, the reality is that the sort of, what do you call it, the ashes of the industrial economy uh, actually contain all the technical infrastructure for you know the next world to arise uh it's now the connection economy game it's not the industrial economy game mm. and uh hindsight's 2020 right i you know was quite insistent all these years that eventually the industrial economy would come to an end i couldn't envisage in any way in any way shape or form how that might be mm. at best i'd sort of conjured up this half notion that you know, it would just be a question of businesses like uh, like the Hong Kong Visa Center and other uh, sort of disruptively enabling business models from, you know, the connection economy, those who got it and those who found zero to one type of situations. They just go on, you know, taking over huge swathes of the economy over time, right? Mm-hmm. And it was probably going to be a 20, 30, 40 year sort of, you know, uh, general sort of shift from one to the other. Pretty much, I suppose, how it, you know, travelled from the agrarian to the industrial. Mm. Uh, there's a bit of background noise. In, ignore it. It's uh, it's just a, the building that's going on here, Jason. So I hope no, that's not no, too no disturbing. People will settle. I suppose yeah. one, one of yeah, the, so one of the questions yeah, on, one of the I'm, questions I'm, I'm that happy. I have um, is the power of free and the notion of um, giving things away for free. Is it as um, valid 
in uh, the connection economy as it was in the industrial economy? Oh, well, it, to, to be honest, I think the power of free now is the DNA for a certain type of uh, expert service know-how professional who um, can document his, ex his or her expertise in a way that helps all of those people around the world that have the particular problem that you know they know best to solve, uh, how you can create the relationships on mass with all of those people that are looking for the uh, solution to the problem that really you can solve. Mm. So uh, the only way to do that is, is to be open and generous, right? And just be free. And so the power of free speaks for itself. And, that, you know, it, it might be... Um, it might be a sort of uh, educational and perhaps a little bit interesting for people if we pr perhaps go back now to 2000, no, 1996 it was, mm. when I think it's fair to say that uh, my first inkling that things needed to be done in a different way in the years ahead uh, was when I had written the first version of the Hong Kong Visa Handbook. Uh, and I put it on the free, I put it on the internet for free back then. And at the time, I had this feeling that this could be a really bad move because I'm basically oh, the stuff that was all secret to me, all my expert know-how, putting it on the web for all to copy, you know, would mean that there would be a whole variety of other people that would take this material and they'd, they'd use it for their own commercial ends, you know, and compete with me. Hmm. Um, so I, I was quite reluctant to do it, and it was a bit. You know, and it's 1996 for Christ's sake. The internet was was just there. It, it's kind of like it, I think we, I think our website would probably would have been one of the first two or three million something like that uh, that was on the web at that time for sure. First two or three million. It wouldn't have been any more than that. So right yeah. at the very beginning of the internet, in actual fact. Uh, and between 1996 and 2000, Jason, that, that was the making of me. And I learned then that you could put all your IP on the internet for free and ultimately you can create relationships and those relationships will lead to, lead to revenue. Um, very counterintuitive and a very simple sort of lesson to have learned back then. So, you know, we now fast forward to, what are we in, 2020 and uh, the connection economy has, has just kick-started itself into life. Uh, and you ask a question like you've just asked about, you know, the significance of the power of free going forward. Will it be the same, will it carry the same sort of uh, set of qualities as it did in the industrial economy? Um, it's kind of funny, right, that, you know, way back in 1996, I kind of knew that that thing would be uh, probably, let's say, the new dial tone for service expert know-how service professionals, you know, that need to operate in the connection economy. Mm. And so uh, the uh, the whole the whole um, area of uh, you know using the power of free going forward, I think, is is just absolutely manifest because. Not only does it give you any kind of, and I've tried to think through all the other angles, it, it, not only does it give you an, a sort of a, you know, unassailable footprint on the web, um, but it, it, it actually can be done 100% for free because, you know, the resources to do that these days, the technology, the, the, the connectivity, it's available for the square root of nothing, WordPress, 
you know, all the kind of stuff you know we've just discussed before, and I'm sure we'll, we'll discuss again. But it's free. Is it so? Is there yeah, is there an, is there an expectation now with um, us having had plus minus twenty years of interaction with the internet as a generation now that has it's become ubiquitous to every single facet of our lives? Is there not an expectation that everything that we do get on the internet is free? If you look at encyclopedias with everything. So so if you are free competing with everything else that's free on the internet, how do you stand out? Uh, well, well, there you go. Exactly. So you, <laughs> the competition <laughs> runs writ large, right? So, yeah. so at that point, you've then got to determine, well, what's the best possible product solution, the way to represent yourself, the way to position yourself, uh, ultimately, to what niche are you going to niche down into? Because mm. there's plenty of niches out there. You just have to, you know, do the reverse thinking, get mm. your connection economy head on, and then say, right, yeah, there's a whole, a whole series of people out there that's got that one particular problem amongst you know many others that tend tend to present themselves you know in this area of activity so i'm going to concentrate on that one and, and i'm going to produce content that's so compelling that that everybody will want to deal with me about that one thing so you win you know the relationship in relate in regard to that one thing if, um if so that also makes it in a sense a kind of an arms race with uh, with with your industrial economy probably ex-employers now that you know uh regular jobs and predictable contract income for such professionals is, is just not going to be available to them because the industrial economy has still got businesses in them, but they're a lot smaller and they're, and they're operating, you know, in, in, in much more reduced capacity now. So there's going to be a lot of unemployment and these people are going to have to turn their attention to the internet and start to monetize their expertise that way. Mm. Now, if 96 was the genesis of the idea of putting content onto the internet and people using it in a free way and having their problems solved, when was it that you actually realized that this is the future? That's a great question. And... Um, the problem with the problem in trying to come up with that answer with an answer to that is that it would it it, it kind of like suggests that I had such incredible kind of conviction that this truly was the future uh, by such and such a date. But the, the, I can't to give you an honest answer. What I have to say to you is that the experience that I had was the typical sort of self doubt. Uh, reinforcing itself year after year after year after year because nobody was getting it. Nobody could understand it. Uh, I, I felt like an island of one, really, sort of pulling to having pulled together all these really good concepts that are out there, you know, it, to make up a, an intelligent content marketing business model, you know, an irresistible offer, a tribe, idea virus, social proof, science of persuasion, all of these things, right? Mm. Um, I pulled, I pulled all those core ideas out of the, uh, out of the web and was able to think about them and then was able to think about how I could uh, use those ideas sort of welded together uh, to produce an experience for a customer that would be so compellingly good that they want to have a relationship with me. So I had the, I was putting all, I was doing all of that thinking and putting all of that together. And I was, you know, patting myself on my back thinking how bloody smart I was, but nobody could, nobody was getting it right. Nobody, nobody was, was, was cottoning on. And so that then opened, you know, the door to the next question, which is why aren't they getting it? 
And then when I realized why they weren't getting it, I thought, goodness gracious me, at some point, and I don't know when it is, but at some point, there has to be a catalyst to change, um, a per, like to personal change in terms of how you orientate yourself to the world and who you are, because uh, it's inevitable that you're going to have to do that. Now, I didn't know, obviously, that that inevitability would occur a year after I spoke to you, like started speaking to you or whenever it was we got going. I didn't realize it was going to be that short. But now the time is here. And so many of these people who, you know, had no reason to turn their attention or even give any kind of heed or even want to try to understand what I was up to. Mm. Um, now they're going to have to turn their attention to that. And kind of what I've understood is that it, 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 people are so blinded by the way that they've always done things that, and because they only have a very limited short-term thinking horizon in terms of what amounts to sort of security, our, you know, the Maslow's hierarchy, hierarchy of needs. Most expert professionals, they're reasonably comfortable within their own skins if they think that they've got, you know, three to six months worth of predictable income ahead of them and you know they've got a decent you know, wedge of savings that'll allow them to ride out any storm over six months so they they just close their uh, yeah uh, yeah of about six months they, so they close their eyes to anything new and they just prefer to concentrate all their available intellectual resources on trying to be more efficient at what they're already good at mm. but the problem with that is that you know you're on you've taken the wrong train you're you're on the train going to the to, to you know that's coming out of town not the one that's going off to the next gold town mm. well, so uh yeah so 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 yeah big, big, big. so to answer the question is no i never really had an opportunity to say to myself yes that's definitely the future until literally until um, I started to pay attention to the data that was coming out of the U.S. very closely about three or four months ago, honestly, um, where it became apparent to me that uh, the mainstream media were painting a picture that was very different from the reality on the ground. But I'd already learned that in any event because of the riots in Hong Kong previous year. So uh, I came to understand that uh, things were going to unravel in the U.S. Uh, in such a way that uh, there's going to be a lot of pain and a lot of disruption and a lot of people are going to be wanting to you know, make a living any way they can. And the obvious way for them to make a living is to adopt the intelligent content marketing business model and apply it to their particular niche and go for it because it's all available for free and you know it doesn't cost anything to get the content from us cost nothing to build the website the whole thing about monopoly is how to build one from nothing with no money invested hmm. so uh so yeah yeah so the, anyway i could i could go on and on and on but i'm all yours okay the the important question really is that there must have been a point in this journey where you will have said okay it's costing me time and effort to put all of this information online I, I get that other people don't get what I'm doing. You have a vision of how it's going to work because you suspect somewhere along the line that this is going to pay off a dividend. If you didn't, you would have stopped doing it because you would have said it's not worth the investment in my time. Even though it's free and I'm answering questions, there has to be an end game. What was it that said to you, I'm going to continue to do this because I've got a really strong gut feeling that I'll dominate my niche by controlling uh, organic search. Okay, two questions in that. Mm. I had a had the strong feeling from day one that this would save my bacon because I'd had the experience of 96 to 2000. Mm. But I would say it was really about... 
when I started, actually, around about the time that I started recording The, the Power of Free, 2015, so four and, four and a half years into it, only then I, had I had injected enough of the thinking of my intellectual heroes and got the, the, the sort of the solid foundation of the intelligent content marketing business model reflected in the three immigration websites. Um, only then did I really sort of look at it through the through the prism of like, what can my competition do to, to overcome me in this regard? And it was then that I had the aha moment where I realized that whilst my content was was being produced in a way that was actionable and good and whatever, I hadn't actually thought about it through the prism of answering the top 100 questions first and developing my content line organically out of that. Um, so uh, once once I'd sort of recorded the power of free and I realized that we were kind of unassailable from a technological perspective, then I came to understand, goodness gracious me, look what I've done all these years. I've been answering these questions and in actual fact, I'm, I'm sending out the same answers to, you know, other people that are asking the same question. I don't need to do another podcast answer to it. I just need to send them a link to the old one because the answer's there. It was at that point I had this gnawing awareness uh, that something was going on. And you know, Peter Thiel talks about having secrets in the connection economy. And the secret that we had was then just to look at analytics by page title rather than URL as your primary view. And then all of a sudden, voila, you've got all these questions that you've been answering you know, that people have asked in natural language. And then you can see you know, how many thousands of people have looked at it. And you go, that's it. That's it. So, so, so from from that awareness, my only uh, the only technical strength that's allowed me that has sorry not allowed me that has um, disallowed me from being able to move to a, a really simple basic way to fully reflect the fact that if you invite people to ask you questions which you answer using natural language and publish to that motif. It's, it, it, if there was a technical way to plug into WordPress, knowing that Google was going to sort of do their analytic analysis, yeah, yeah, you can say that, can't you? Uh, through 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 the, the way that I would uh, set out that plugin for WordPress to achieve that natural language publishing orientation, uh, I, I would I would probably invent it and, uh, and and make life a lot easier. But at the moment, you're stuck. Well. Yeah, you're stuck with the house. We're stuck with the house, which is a great plugin, which we've discussed before, I think, and uh, uh, it gives us it gives us enough power to uh, create the ability to publish content which ha which anticipates natural language questions. You might not get all the words that you want to get into the title because you're constrained by you know total character at length and the like. Mm. But uh, but in the main, you, you set it up in that fashion, uh, you get results. So. So yeah, so about 2005, I had the awareness and I've been sort of head down, bum up since then, uh, focusing squarely on that and realizing that, 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 that that's the key to um, the key to success. And, and in actual fact, Jason, since we last spoke, uh, we've produced a video, well, two videos uh, that we've couched as hard evidence. And uh, these two videos are, one's called Proof of the Pudding and the other one is called Lifting the Lid. And uh, these two videos are designed to show exactly how uh, the performance of the Hong Kong Visa Giza website has been over the last, it's actually eight and a half years, but we, we, we set it back 10 years and we talk about a 10-year time frame. 
but in uh, in that 10 year time frame we've disclosed and revealed everything as to how natural language has presented itself as being the means to dominate organic search and in actual fact we've shown uh, uh, how we completely and totally do dominate organic search so in that video um, proof of the pudding we just went through some of the uh, links in the top, I think, top 100 uh, of our all-time visited pages, uh, and then reverse-engineered a Google search against um, against those natural language questions, and our entries came up. Well, on average, we were we were we were, we were sort of a minimum of four or five um, items on. Uh, page one of Google, including quite often the snippets. So, mm. you know, we're we're, we're, we're we're hoovering up all of the traffic. And the other interesting thing about that exercise is that when you look at the competition on the page, you know, that we're standing against, they just don't even come close to giving the answer to the question that mm. um, the person has been asking. So, mm. yeah. And then the other one is uh, lifting the lid. And lifting the lid is where we looked at the, the, the total number of visitors to Hong Kong Visa Giza, which is a 100% free site, over the 10 years. And then we looked at the total number of visitors over the 10 years uh, onto the Hong Kong Visa Center website, which is where we sell our stuff. Uh, and then um, we were able to calculate essentially what the total value per website uh, visitor and page view user was on the 100% free site. Mm -hmm. I think it was $23 on per visitor, and it was $3. No, it was no bigger point. It was $13. Yeah, $13 per visitor on the free website. That, that's what converted into revenue, mm. and uh, it, it was. Uh, $3.23 per page view on our, free, on our free website. So every single page view that uh, was taken down as free um, from the Hong Kong visa gives was worth more than three US bucks to us. So, and then we looked at the total, sorry, and then we looked at the total number of, uh, the total amount of revenue uh, versus the uh, total number of visitors that, that the Hong Kong visa center and uh, Basically, it worked out to be uh, uh, 70 US dollars per visitor. So, uh, yeah, carry on. I'm all yours. No, I suppose the question that would be given that um, the content was something that you created almost for free on a platform that cost you nothing, the cost of generating that $3 per person to your free site was minimal. Indeed, absolutely. Mm. And, you know, this sort of harks back to the question that I didn't quite finish giving you. Pre uh, you it's didn't quite how you roll. Me, uh, I, yeah, that's how I roll. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so I'll come back to that one. Yeah. From day one, I knew it was going to work because 99.6, I knew that this stuff would work. Uh, and really, once we'd started generating revenues, the psychology was I'm a publisher now. So I'm just going to carry on doing. I just need to get better at being a publisher and better by that. What I mean by that is just, you know, to get the best possible publishing outcome you can for the minimal amount of effort. Mm. Uh, and then keep going and learning and, 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 and basically get to a point driven by fear, frankly, because I'd have my previous immigration business taken away from me because of my own stupidity. But this time driven by the fact that I wanted to put a footprint down on the web that could never be taken away from me come what may, uh, I just carried on publishing and, uh, and and all the time I knew that I would be getting a return on my investment. And that's that, that all, you know, has pr proved to be the case because we grew up year after year after year after year in terms of revenues and the, and the size of the practice. And and then the platform gets put down and then and then, you know, you, you, you've got 
no shortage of ability to create relationships because they just rain in. It's unbelievable, which is quite the opposite of how I was running my business in the industrial economy, which was really between 93 and 95, 96 before I published the Visa Handbook. So then it was all about paying money to get customers and and you never knew where your next bit of revenue was going to come from because there was no obvious source of an advertisement anyway today if you fast forward 26 27 years or whatever it is advertising doesn't work it's just you can't gain people's attention so you've got to have another way to create these relationships so all those that have been operating in the industrial economy all my competitors i mean they've lost 25 years to me so hong kong is mine mm. really I just have to carry on acquitting myself in the way that I do. And I don't have to publish that much new content anymore, to be frank, because we've mapped the knowledge graph. Once you've mapped the knowledge graph, the only other stuff you need to, to publish on, on your site is sort of new stuff that you know hasn't really been covered before. And then just spend time, you know, tightening it up and changing, you know, updating videos and whatever, just keeping it fresh and, and alive and whatever, but not much effort at all. But my competitors haven't got that. So, mm. you know, they're dead meat, really. Okay, so I... I know we're going to try and do this as a series of 12, uh, and this is the first show. Um, can you give me a quick rundown of how we're going to do it and what we can expect to learn over the uh, the next 11 shows after this one? Right. Okay. So because as, we, as, as we've just been, you know, talking, my crystal ball apparently was supercharged way back in 1996. Mm. And uh, I've started off by sort of covering the early years before we got to 2015 and where all the kind of learnings that uh, and insights that I, I gleaned and had uh, between 2011 and 2015 it all sort of settled on to well in actual fact it was in my uh, in my original uh, version of the power of free I settled on seven sort of ideas and uh, it's kind of telling in a way now that I think about it. But um, in 2015, I set down uh, dates for those seven presentations. I, I gave them titles and had some broad ideas. And uh, as, the, as the weeks came up, I then started thinking about this kind of stuff that I was going to be covering at that time. And then just sort of coalesce those ideas as sort of mind prompts into PowerPoint presentations. And, and then I figured I'd just stand up get Chris to record it and I'd, I'd speak sort of free form, free consciousness out into, you know, the world for the first time, sharing the ideas, you know, the insights that I've had uh, and just documenting at that point. So I, I got my, I got the whole notion of what went on to be power free down to seven, seven ideas at that point. But then during those seven months when I was delivering them and I realized, no, there's a lot of other stuff here that, that I haven't covered because it's missing, right? Because this was the first time that I'd, I was actually putting down on tape, so to speak, what I thought was, as we've subsequently gone on to be, was going to be the DNA of intelligent content marketing. I wasn't, I wasn't thinking about intelligent content marketing back then. I was just thinking about this thing called the power of free. But yeah, those additional five uh, things that I, those five talks that I gave, ultimately went on to being one year's uh, worth of uh, of material and and coalescing of my ideas and getting stuff down into into one place so that that when you look at the power of free and all the updates since then uh, all of that sort of occurred really in the heart of let's say 
the land of disruption where I was what I was really trying to do something new and different and I was learning as I as I went and I was applying the ideas and the new stuff that I was learning and testing stuff out and what have you so so that was kind of like the the early day creative creative sort of expectations of what the what a business model for the now called connection economy was going to look like um but now we have this post-COVID connection economy well upon us. Um, I want to go through each of the sections of the power of free and sort of give, well, have a conversation with you really like we normally do uh, and ex sort of expand on kind of, you know, how I was thinking back then and how it's materialized in the years since. And in fact, that the you know, COVID scenarios really brought things to the fore. So th these ideas in broad terms are um, the connection economy, which is what really what we've been talking about today. And then uh, in, in this sequence, it's expert niche, uh, purple cow, feel your market, natural SEO, watch your story, disrupt, disrupt, the new era of marketing, the currency of attention, do you have permission, watch your platform, and uh, finally reinvent, reinventing value and price. So um, we can have a conversation around uh, each of those and, uh, and see, see, see where it takes us and, uh, and, and, and what, we can, um, what we can uncover further. Excellent. Well, we'll catch up in the next series then.